0: Maybe it looks like everything is easy now, but the first four or five years of my business was definitely not. But when you do the right steps over a long periods of time, you're going to create success. Welcome everyone to The Ultimate Shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment.
1: Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life? Welcome back to The Ultimate Shift. Today's guest is a serial entrepreneur, a real estate investor. He invests in some tech companies. He grew up in a Mennonite family and has come a long way from that. So we're going to pick his brain on entrepreneurship, wealth, and life as he knows it and as he sees it. I'm pretty excited about this. A good friend of mine, ladies and gentlemen, Ferris Martin. Here we go. We have Ferris here, Ferris Martin. Welcome to the show, Ferris. Thanks, Stephen, for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. You have uh, built a big company. You've done a lot as an entrepreneur. So I just want to dive into your story and where it started. And so can you tell our listeners kind of how it all started? Like who was Ferris Martin at, say, 10, 15 years old?
0: So as you know, which other people probably don't, but kind of have the same background as where you came from. Um, very similar upbringing. So I grew up Mennonite for the first 17 and a half, 18 years of my life and um, just decided that that wasn't the life that I wanted. So decided to check some options and left home when I was 17 and a half, 18 years old, just really decided I was just going to try this venture on my own and uh, had 800 bucks in a bank account and decided that it was time to hit the road. So that's kind of where it all started for me.
1: That was 17. You're how old now? I'm 28. 28. Okay. So did you know what you wanted to do at that point? Did you know what you wanted to be? No, not
0: really. I just did the only thing I knew what to do, and that was construction. So when I left, I... I got a job working for a construction company as soon as I left. So I immediately had a stream of income coming in and worked my way up to forming on a crew pretty quick and stayed with that company for maybe two years until they went bankrupt. So I kept the guys that were working with my crew at that point and just kind of kept going on my own.
1: This was your first business?
0: Yes, that was Silver Creek Construction, which is still one of my best and main businesses today.
1: So how do you go from, let's say, having 800 bucks to your name? I mean, obviously you're working, you're making some money, but was there no fear there in starting your own business? Was there anything that was telling you, you shouldn't do this, you can't do this? Or did you just know you're just going to run with it regardless? As a human, there's always fear involved. But
0: I guess my work ethic that I had from a young age just taught me that. As long as you don't give up or quit, you're never really done. So that's kind of always where I turn to when things got hard is if I can just make it through one more day, maybe tomorrow will be better. So yeah. As as time goes on and you get that mentality, you kind of learn to overcome stuff that maybe most people would give up on.
1: What was your biggest challenge starting a business? I would say
0: my biggest challenge was... Coming from the background that we came from, we were not taught to um, connect with people. We were always taught growing up, don't talk to strangers, blah, blah, blah. You know, so it it was very hard for me, and it is still today, to openly start our conversation with a stranger. Just because of our upbringing, I think. Which I've gotten better at that, but it's just hard. And that was one of my biggest challenges. Is If the people wouldn't talk to me first, it pretty much you know, we just went our separate ways and with a head shake or whatever. Like we just never never really got into a conversation. So
1: So how did you go about doing sales? If you weren't that type of person that would open the conversation and you were doing you've had to have to be done sales for your company, how did you overcome that or how did you start that? I mean,
0: I guess really it gets easier as your knowledge grows. When you become really good at something, you become really confident. And when the confident level goes up, you're not scared anymore to have that conversation because people don't want to talk out of fear because they're afraid they're going to say the wrong things. But when your confident level goes up, because your knowledge and your skills get better, you know what you're talking about, and so your confidence goes up, and then, then you, you're not scared anymore to start that conversation as much. So, What was your biggest fear as a kid? Mm, That's a good question. I don't know that I really had any fears when I was a kid. I was (laughs) fearless and I don't know. I just, I mean, I had a great childhood. We grew up on a farm. We had our pets and stuff.
1: You had no fears of leaving everything you knew behind to start something else? I mean, the fears when I left was what
0: my family and so on, what those people were going to think of me for leaving. That was probably the hardest part about leaving was just um, the way they were going to treat me after I leave. Because when you leave a culture like that, family and friends is really all you know. Mm -hmm. And so leaving that behind at first was really hard. But after about two years, I became more accepted back into my family, especially with some of my brothers. So that definitely got
1: easier as time went by. So do you feel like that made it harder, like just when you're branching out on your own and you're not sure what your friends, your family, everyone's going to think about you for doing it, you don't know how they're going to react. Do you feel like that made it harder or easier for you to become who you are today? Like, did it push you? I would say it definitely pushed me. When I left home,
0: they told me that the, the rumor was around, like, don't worry, he'll be back in two weeks because he'll run out of money and he won't ever be able to do it on his own. And um, when I got that message, you know, that was just my dedication more than ever was to never go back to that for for some of the reason because they said I could never make it on my own. So that gave me more drive, I think, than anything.
1: You wanted to prove them wrong. I guess you could say that. <laughs> What do you wish you would have known when you started out that maybe you know now but that you didn't know then? I'll touch on that a little bit
0: and I think I'm going to change that just a little bit. That question is I wish my parents would have told me from a young age that I could be anything I wanted to be because I feel like if somebody would have pushed me that I could be whatever I wanted to be that I would even be further ahead than where I am today because we never really got that push growing up. So that push for me came later in life. And I feel like if it would have came when I was 10 to 15, even, you know, 15 to 20 years old, that I just would have had more confidence in becoming whatever I wanted to become.
1: I think there's probably a lot of people that would say at 28 years old, you're running a couple million dollar a year company. That's You've pushed pretty hard.
0: Well, I'd say we're just getting started.
1: <laughs> Knowing you, I'm not surprised. <laughs> what is something you've failed at? I mean, from the outside looking in, it looks like, you know, a lot of people would say you're. it looks like everything's just working out for you. Your company is probably, I would say, from, I don't know personally, but from watching from a distance, it's probably growing every single year. Since you've started, yeah, is there anything that you feel like you failed at in life that maybe helped set you on that path of of doing whatever it takes, or was that just ingrained in you from the get go? I mean, as far as mistakes
0: we've made in the company, I mean, I could go on and on. As as a new business, there's you're always going to make mistakes, and I've gotten that from different people before, where. You know, they say they don't really know me that well personally, but just from looking in they would say that everything just kind of worked out for me. Well, maybe it did just kind of work out for me, but I have a a strong feeling that first off to get to where things really work out for a person, you have to do your steps and procedures first. like. The first couple of years in my company, I I was in the field and I still am. You know, every single day, and I built relationships with my clients that were second to none. So maybe it looks like everything is easy now, but the first four or five years of my business was definitely not easy. But when you do the right steps over a long periods of time, you're going to create success.
1: You said that you built you know, good relationships with your clients. How do you do that? For someone that's starting out or starting a company, what's the advice you would give them to build that relationship with their clients so that, you know, they build that loyalty, that trust and everything with the people they're going to work for? One of my biggest
0: pushes in business is communication. If you're running behind schedule and you just really don't want to call the guy and tell him, hey, we're going to be a few days late because he's going to chew you out, you need to make that phone call anyway and connect with them often. If you are behind schedule for weather-related reasons, which is a very common thing in our industry, you just communicate with your customers, tell them. Most of them understand. Some of them aren't going to, but if you build relationships with the right customers, you're going to have some of the best loyal customers that you could ever ask for. And the other thing, I mean, do what you say you're going to do is is huge in our company. We don't cut corners. It doesn't matter if it gets in to our pocket or the company's pocket as a cost factor. We don't cut corners. That's good because When we leave the job, we're done with the job, the customers with that product for the rest of their life or until they move or sell. So just because you're not going to be there the next day to see it, it doesn't mean it doesn't need to be done 100%.
1: Yeah. So how do you build the culture around the company then? Because you seem to have pretty loyal guys. What's your secret to building the culture with your employees, that they believe in the mission of the company?
0: I mean, that that's a good question too, but I mean, you could go and say, just the golden rule would apply to that, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And, and that's a model that we use at Silver Creek some, Is just, I mean, when I go out on a job site, and this is one of the ways that I go into every job site is, I look at my crew and myself pulling into that job site as if they were coming to my place. And I'm like, okay, now, what would I not want them to do at my place if, you know, if you're getting a hurry and you leave trash laying around, that that to me is, is really unacceptable. Like, we try to clean up each job to where it's as little to no hassle for the customer as possible.
1: Mm-hmm. And did, was that just engraved in you from a kid, or was that a policy that you started because of something you saw in the industry i mean we were always pretty clean growing up but
0: i think it was something that i just seen more as i got into the industry and the first couple years when some of our repeat clients you know when we we would pull out a trash can at work and put our trash in daily they were like, we've never seen the trash can on a construction crew before. You know, it's just, it's kind of an uncommon trait in a construction industry because a lot of your construction workers are pretty rough nature, maybe a little bit more, and maybe not quite as clean as some other industries. But
1: Is that the secret to setting yourself apart from other people in that industry? How important is it to set yourself apart from your competitors? I think it's definitely very important
0: especially in this day and time, probably more so than ever, because of, there's a lot of competition. I mean, it's great if you can find a niche market somewhere that's not oversaturated. That gives you some competitive edge there if you're not just always having to cut costs because of competition. But really, in my company, on the grain bin industry that we do, is I'm overpriced on our labor compared to what they could get other builders to come in and build them for but yet we're turning down you know 30 to 50 projects a year because we can't keep up there's too many projects for us to do them all and when I realized that a couple years ago that it's not all about cost I decided that people really They really are looking for people that they can trust, too, because a lot of this stuff is kind of a long-term investment, for farmers and stuff especially. And they also want to know that if they have a problem, that somebody's going to stand behind them. Mm -hmm. You know, some people come in out of state, and they're there to do the job, and they don't really care about the end product. So I feel like that's huge, is to make sure that you can service your customers, too.
1: So the reputation of the company. Sure. How many times in your career did you have to pivot or adapt from what you thought would always stay the same? Quite a bit, actually. But
0: I will say one thing. I found out, I mean, we're always learning and adapting, don't get me wrong, but we figured out a process and procedure that really worked. As far as repetition, doing the same thing over and over and over again. And so, like, when we pull up to do a job, I got a lot of the same guys. They've been with me for several years. Every guy knows their job when we pull into a job site of what they usually do. So it's like a puzzle when we pull up. And I found that really sometimes you don't always have to change. If you get really good at something, it's more important to... I mean you always have to adapt but you really want to make sure that you're efficient and able to do a really good job at what you're doing.
1: So that's comes back to policies and procedures and continuously updating and changing those to whatever's happening around you. Yeah. If you were just starting out, I mean you have built a lot of things, you're doing a lot of investing, you're you're doing more than most twenty-eight year olds I've ever known. What would you say to that kid that's maybe eighteen or to yourself, if you were talking to yourself, if you were giving yourself advice back then, what kind of advice would you give yourself with what you know now?
0: One thing I would say is just try to connect with people because one thing that I've learned over the last four years more than any time in my whole life is that really most people have the same purpose in mind. like. There's a lot of entrepreneurs in this world. And if you can strike up a conversation with like-minded people is when things really get good. And when I started to realize that, it just it changed a lot of stuff for me because when you bounce ideas off of somebody that has the same goals in mind, you're amazed at what you don't think about or if if the other person changes the narrative a little bit, you're going to think of ways that you just didn't think of them before. It was said by a professor one time that the human, a human only uses 10% of its brain power throughout your lifetime. And if you let that sink in for a minute, it's like you don't know 90% of what you could know, which is crazy.
1: So how do you continue to grow then? What kind of resources do you use to continue to grow And and be the best at what you are in your field. I have some mentors that
0: I look up to and uh, I think it's important to find a mentor in your space that you're in, but a real mentor, somebody that really has built what you're wanting to build and somebody that has been you know, really successful because there are a lot of people out there that that look like they are really successful so you got to be a little bit careful when you pick your mentors, but I feel like it's very important to have a mentor and, you know, me and my wife, we go to entrepreneurial events as much as possible because again, it might not be even in a subject or an industry that we want to learn about, but you'd be surprised that you can connect with when you go to those places.
1: Yeah. Do you think a mentor always has to be in the industry you're in, or can it be someone that has the success you're talking about, but is in a completely different industry, but he still has value to sew into your life? I think you need some of
0: both. Like, I think you need somebody that you can, like, if you really have a problem and something that you don't understand, you need somebody that can relate. But as far as a whole no i mean you you can have a mentor that doesn't know anything about your business they're going to have had those same struggles as you've had even if it was in a separate industry because a lot of the struggles it doesn't matter what the industry is it's struggles that are all kind of similar
1: yeah so in, in that regard there's so many people that believe whether it's entrepreneurship whether it's starting a construction company or starting any business is challenging and it is always but to the point that it becomes overwhelming and they quit or they give up. What did you do when you hit those times to power through? So like first few years there
0: was many times in my company where I would struggle to make payroll you know and pay the bills and you know as a new company starting out you're going to always have debt that's hard to um, to pay off and it's a constant. it was a constant struggle, but maybe that was something that was kinda instilled in me growing up as my mom would always say, Never put off for tomorrow. What you can do today. So there would be a lot of nights when I would yeah, I would skip out on like I didn't have a lot of friends in the first few years of my company just because I was doing what I knew needed to be done, even if it was at 10 or 11 or 12 o'clock at night, just, you know, to finish up, to, to be able to be somewhat ahead of the game the next day. So I really feel like as a lot of startup companies, they, they just really underestimate what it's gonna take to become successful, especially in a time like this. If you're not the best in your market, you're gonna have struggles and you're gonna have to do extra hours and you're gonna have to really push hard to to make it all work and it's it's not gonna come easy regardless of how easy it might look. But I mean, it's just not gonna be easy. How do you become
1: the best? If you're starting a new company, how do you become the best? Right off the bat, how, how is there? Anything- I mean,
0: you're not going to right off the bat, but the best thing to do is, is become as educated as you can in the industry that you're in. When I became what I call the best in the industry that I'm in, it it came from confidence. So when I could walk up to a job and know every detail of that job without any question. So if a customer asked me anything, I would have an answer. It's not-
1: Not a made up answer. Right. It's genuine
0: genuine because, because you know, and then
1: when you have that confidence, it becomes easier. And they, they sense that. Absolutely. So, I, I mean, if I hear correctly, part of that is complete transparency with your customers, your clients. Honesty over... 100%. BS, you know, if you slam a car salesman type of way, if you will. I mean, as in how some people would categorize that. But So, how big a part do you think that personal growth and entrepreneurship are... How, important is it that those two are tied together? Can you do one without the other? Do you feel like, I mean, you're, you know, you're talking about educating yourself in ways about the business, but what about in finances and your personal growth as far as becoming a better person, maybe learning to become more vulnerable, more honest or or with the people around you? Do those run hand in hand or are those two different things? I would say they kind of run hand in hand because
0: when you go into a job, and this could go in any industry, I think, not just the industry that we're in. If you go into a job and you have your customer's best interest in mind at all times, the customer is going to sense that immediately from the start. So th- then you're going to be able to connect with your customers in a, in a level that that other people couldn't connect with before. And when you have your customer's best interest in mind, I feel like the alignment just kinda of works out. And then at that point, you know, if you're a good person at that and you have your customer's best interest in mind, then, you know, the rest is easy. And if if you're gonna upsell a customer, they should see the upsell and the point of view that you see it to where Okay, you can upgrade, but this is going to cost you more, but this is what's going to benefit you. It's not something that's just going to benefit the company's bottom line.
1: You said something earlier about, you know, being the best, but also being able to charge, maybe you're charging more than some other people and you're turning down work. How long do you think realistically a new company could start out and get to that point? Does it vary by industry? I'm sure maybe that varies to some extent, but what's a realistic time frame that you think any new company could give themselves to get to that level like for you how many years did it take you to where you could you could i think it's probably safe to say you could probably charge whatever you wanted and with the brand you built people would still get you yeah i mean we could definitely upcharge charge more
0: if we wanted to than what we are now i would say it's going to vary some in, in in certain industries but I mean, from what I've seen in other companies that, that we've built or, and involved in is it, three to five years, really, realistically, until you get your branding to where you have enough of repeat customers that are going to vouch for you no matter. Like, I feel like I have enough of customers out there today that if if somebody would say, oh, you know, Silver Creek, they do a bad job. That I would have so many people stick up for me and say that's just not true that 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 person wouldn't even have a doubt, you know, so yeah, yeah, but you can't do that in the first the first year or two, even if you have the best intentions because you just don't have enough of customer base at that point,
1: yeah, so you're twenty eight now what are your goals for when you're forty?
0: That's a funny question. <laughs> I promised my wife when we got married that when I turned 40 I was going to retire and I'd go to the gym with her and work out because <laughs> she, she's like you. She likes to work out, but my hours just don't allow it because I'm I'm a four-in-the-morning person till you know, sometimes 10 at night. So going to the gym is just not going to happen for me. So I guess we'll see if that holds true or not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's your goal, go to the gym at 40. So how do you find the how do you find the energy and the motivation from four in the morning to ten at night day after day after day? That I mean, it does get hard. What drives you? What's the drive
0: for, for me them? is getting to be sixty and say, oh, "Crap, I gotta go to work." Like I don't have any funds. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest fear, and I feel like that's going to be valid for so many people. Because they wait too long in life, I I guess, I don't know if I should even say that, but I don't know if there is such a thing, but they get started too late in life, and then when they really, like, there was a mentor of mine that said one time that he feels like it should be reversed, you should live your life until you're 60, and then you should be retired from, you know, 20 to 60, and then work until you die. Okay. Because... It's the other way around for so many people. They work until they're 60 or 65, 70, mm-hmm. and then they have a few years left to enjoy what they, you know, what but they work for. Them, older so, and they can yeah.
1: move and maybe not the same for everyone. Right. Okay, so there's people that could probably say, well, you have people in place, you have crews, you don't have to get up at four in the morning. So what makes you get up at four in the morning? Just
0: because, I mean, it's the reputation that we've built. And, yeah, I wouldn't have to go out every single day with my crews, but I I choose to because I feel like if they know that I'm out there busting my butt that and I'm not just out goofing off, that it just gives them more of a, a work ethic and and knowing, like, if, if I'm going to do it, then they probably need to too because, yeah. you know, I could take off. running. Right? by to, example. You're right. Yeah. I actually have a shirt made that that says that leading by example, creates the
1: best ROI. Um, yeah. so, you, need to, you should give me one. Yeah, too. yeah I, need I need to, to give, give you one. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I just think you're probably one of the hardest working guys I know. So how many different companies are you involved in right now at, at 28? I think four, but I'm not sure. I forget. <laughs> <laughs> we.
0: Um, we had a company, Silver Creek Commercial Roofing, which you know that we sold our partnership, had a partnership, and we sold our shares and exited that company. And then I have Silver Creek Construction and Silver Creek Properties LLC that we do some properties in investing. And then several other companies that we'll get into later, maybe.
1: What's your biggest obstacle right now with with your companies and personal life and just everything that you have going on? besides getting rerouted from Rochester, New York today in your plane. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna back up a little bit, but in January
0: we went to Jamaica with what I would consider a great friend of mine and also a, a very good CPA, Jonathan Frost. And at that retreat there was a lot of people that, you know, have been fairly successful. And I felt like one of my biggest struggles was is I'm not able to scale fast enough. Like I'm, I look at it as I'm, I'm already 28. Like I feel like I'm, like I should have been at this point when I was 21. Wow. So I really struggle with that. Is is how can I scale faster? And they they just they just made me think about it a little bit different. And they said that you need to look at where you came from in the last five six years, and kind of just give that effect again in five to six years and then you'll kind of maybe see it as a little bit different perspective but like I guess one of my reasons for wanting to scale so much is just the amount of work that we're turning down and the amount of customers that we're turning away but you have to be really careful with scaling too because I've, I've seen it first-handed in some companies that have scaled too fast and that's just really not a good thing because you're quality of work goes down and just i mean everything as a whole your, your guys are not going to be as well trained if you're scaling without the proper training so
1: how necessary is patience with entrepreneurship do you feel like you're you're patient and i mean i feel like you know you're saying kind of you're impatient about how fast you want to grow but i've always thought you're super patient with i mean just like what you said you definitely build roots with your company you I know I've talked to you uh, different times about maybe uh, doing an invest investment in this or that and, and your thing has always been consistently. You take time to think, you take time to process and we had talked about doing a deal lately and you actually had specifically mentioned that which was something that I, I really took to heart and I thought about it a lot even before you'd said it and then especially after you were like, you know, because my company is fairly new at this point, the one, one deal I'm doing and so, you had mentioned, like, give it time to grow. Mm-hmm. So how important is it that entrepreneurs take that time with patience to, to build it? I think it's
0: very important.
1: Well, what happens if you don't? Maybe it's a better question. You make, the, you make the wrong
0: decisions. When you don't have the patience to grow properly and kind of see the steps as they're supposed to play out, you're going to miss some of those steps and then at some point you're going to be backtracking Mm -hmm. so I feel like patience and I I, that's something that I really struggle with because you know as society is today it's it's an instant gratification in in so many things and it's really hard you know especially when if you start making a little money then you kind of want to maybe go get some of the stuff that Mm -hmm. you've been wanting for a long time but But it's really important I think that that stuff just kind of waits until the right time because you can um, step too fast. And when you become impatient, you're gonna miss some of the best processes in a company.
1: Let's say you want that toy, you want that plane, you want that car, you want the whatever it is. Uh, Maybe it's something more simple. Maybe it's a home, maybe it's a, a farm or whatever it is. For someone that is you know, they're an entrepreneur and they're trying to build that and they, and they get a little bit of success. Where do you have to be financially in regards to buying that toy for yourself or whatever? What's your, for you personally, where do you have to, let's say if you wanted a a Lamborghini, where would you have to be financially before you would, before you would buy one?
0: So I know you have the money to buy one. uh, Me personally, I mean, I really struggled with that after we exited the company that we sold two years ago. Because I felt like, okay, I you know I, I, I don't really need that income or the money that we sold the company for. I didn't really need it. My other companies were doing fine. You know, I was just gonna go maybe buy whatever I wanted to. And um, I just decided that if I just wait and I invest this money properly, the amount of money that I was gonna lose by going buying a car or whatever it might be, it's just going to put me so many more years ahead in, in five six years because you know if I look back in five six years how much that amount of money would you know has helped me grow it's like wow you can't really just justify going blowing that money so for me definitely toys um, we don't buy anything unless we have the money in cash like if you can't pay for a toy. You don't need it with that, without yeah, without affecting your business capital or your lifestyle yeah. or you know your business shouldn't it shouldn't suffer in any aspect if you're going to purchase something that's for pleasure or leisure for sure and I'm not saying that you have to buy everything with cash but I feel like you should finance stuff so you can get your credit scores the way it needs to be but like I think you should. Say you wanted to go buy a brand new Ferrari, three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand dollars, whatever it might cost, you would go into the dealership, finance the car in full, and then in the first month bill comes, you pay the car off, I'll accept let's say two thousand dollars. And then you just leave that two thousand dollar balance for the life of the loan. Wow. So that way, you know, you're you're building your long term rapport on your credit on your credit score. Um it looks like you're you know, you don't have a lot of debt, so it's a good balance factor there. So I, I mean I try to finance everything as much as I can, but we definitely do that a lot is just go in and pay the balance down to almost zero and just save a small balance through the life of the loan.
1: I've never heard of that before. That's it's incredible. All right, well we're rounding up on our time, I think, here. I have two more questions, or it might turn into three or four, it depends what you say. But so you, you've built multiple companies, you're doing multi-millions in, in revenue. You're 28 years old, but if you were put on a world stage where everyone is watching, literally every country, every person is watching, and you had five minutes to make a difference or an impact of how people are gonna remember you or get to know you even the first time, what would you say? The first thing I would say, just because millions of people aren't clapping for you,
0: doesn't mean you're not important. Secondly, is I would just really push people to go after their dreams, chase their dreams, but you know try to turn those into reality and and just really try to bring the message across that people really can be whatever they want to be with enough dedication, enough drive because I feel like there's just so many people that give up before they really get to where like if they would just go a little bit more they would start seeing results but they give up before they get there
1: no too impatient yeah
0: because and, and I think that society has is the problem for that because it's it's all instant gratification. Everywhere you look nowadays, you can have, oh, you know, buy this $500 course and I'll show you how to make $1,000. Well, guess who's making the money?
1: Yeah. The guy selling
0: the course, you know yeah. what I mean? Like
1: it's no... Yeah. And that got most, uh, what I've found after researching a lot of them, most times they haven't even done what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it looks like they have, but
0: that's the problem with society is it's easy to, to do somewhat kind of a fake front you can rent anything now um, and you can lease anything like it's so easy to mm-hmm. to be a, two different people.
1: If you could ask anyone in the world any question, who would it be, and what would the question be? man, that I had to think about that one for a minute. It can be alive or dead.
0: I would probably say alive would I mean be Elon Musk. I'm just I'm a huge fan of Elon's just because I feel like he's one of the guys that kind of beat the odds. And maybe I don't know where to know what my question would be, just why he didn't quit when things got tough for him because you know, you know as 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 much stuff as he's doing, like yeah, he's had to run into some challenges that were just crazy hard. Um, but I feel like he's a prime example of what I'm talking about when you push hard enough for long enough. You're gonna see results. He has now built a company that is one of the largest vehicle manufacturing companies in the world, and it's only ten years old. And look at Ford and GM; they've been around for decades, and their market cap's not even not even a third of what he's built in a short period of time.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm gonna turn that question on you now. So, with everything you've got going on, why didn't you quit when times got hard or tough? Hmm. <clears throat> because I felt like.
0: I felt like um like if I would just quit I would never be able to forgive myself because I, I always knew I could I, like I always feel like I know that I could be more and I want to be more and I feel like if I if I give up then then I'm really letting myself down and basically destroying everything that I worked for so you know giving up really is not an option for me so, even if times get hard, I think we're going to just keep going. You know, like, I, I don't think I'll ever quit.
1: You'll start getting up at three o'clock. Sure. 4. I
0: mean, <laughs> you know, they say it's not the the first eight hours that count, it's what you can do in the second and third eight hours day <laughs> that really make the difference. Well, you've definitely
1: <laughs> proved that with your life. I just want to acknowledge you. I know we've known each other for quite a while, but I've a lot of respect for you. I've watched what you build. I've seen you take a company from nothing to to doing millions to building a brand that that everyone you know respects you for in the industry. Not even just in the industry, but everyone in general. You're a respected business owner. You build some big things. I think the culture you build is every, if you anyone that ever walks in your shop, you literally have it in there on a whiteboard. The culture, the what you stand for, and why you do what you do. And so I just I think you've built an incredible empire machine, if you will, and I just have a lot of respect for you and Melody and everything you're doing. I appreciate that and same for you, but
0: maybe some of that reason was just not having that, that push when I was you know, when I was growing up so much that you know, we we as a you probably the same way, but we we didn't really get love and affection as much. As humans crave for in the culture that we grew up, and
1: yeah, very much.
0: So. I mean, I just really want to show that to my customers, my employees, and you know, the people that are on our team just show them that I care and have them know that I care, that we're all kind of a team. So, yeah,
1: I think you're doing a great job of it. How can people follow you, uh, find you, learn from you, um, your social media, your website? Your-
0: Yeah, so, I mean, business website, silvercreekllc.net, Facebook, my full name, Ferris Martin, and Instagram is the same, Ferris Martin,
1: so... P-H-A-R-D-S. Yes. M-A-R-R-T-I-N. Correct.
0: And, uh, yeah, Instagram is one of my favorite platforms right now, so... Or Facebook. I don't use much else.
1: Yeah, well, I... uh, I recommend to your listeners to follow him. I mean, he writes some good stuff on Instagram, he... Puts thought and perspective in his posts. Uh, they're not—you're not, not going to see him every day, but when when you do, it's worth reading. And I mean, yeah, I challenge you to just follow him and learn from him because this guy in in about—if uh, you don't know him now, in about ten years you will. So if even that, so I appreciate you coming on and sharing your tips and the success story, and I think a lot of people can learn from you. So yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me we'll have to do it again someday maybe for sure thanks again for tuning in to The Ultimate Shift look I know life is crazy life gets busy and we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up but there's so many things that come up in between and my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal you can follow me on Instagram at Ephraim Glick Facebook at Ephraim Glick, Twitter at Glick Ephraim, or you can go to the website at EphraimGlick.com. See you next time.